Everybody grab your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. We're going to get right to it. Got a, got a long way to go. There's a young man in the high school. He's a senior in the high school class. He swears it'll take 32 years to get through Genesis. <laughs> We're going to so help us God by his grace. What's that? It's good math, yeah, based on Genesis chapter one, verse one. Um, but uh, so help us God by his grace, we're gonna get through chapter 13 this morning. Amen. Who has faith? A lot of doubters in the room. Lock and load, brothers and sisters, we're gonna get to work. Okay, let's pray and then uh, let's, uh, let's, let's hear the word of the Lord. Father, we love you, Lord, and God, We thank you for just the freedom and the privilege, Lord, to just be able to worship you like this and and we're grateful. God, we ask that in everything you'd be honored and glorified and that the name of Christ would be magnified. There's no one like you. God, you're awesome. Lord, we lift up our brothers and sisters all over the world. I think about uh, what what, uh, worship looks like in Ukraine today. And uh, Lord, uh, Please, we pray your blessing and protection over our brothers and sisters in Europe and those who are in, you know, they're, they're functionally, now they're refugees. And, and uh, I think about our brothers and sisters in India. Um, somebody today is probably facing some Hindu, Hindu uh, retribution for worship that takes place today. And, and we just ask that, Lord, you would encourage and bless our brothers and sisters. Um, Lord, I, I don't, with Mark's dad, I, I, I don't know for sure if he made it back to Tampa, but uh, if today he stands before Maranatha, we just ask for your blessing over his presentation of Living Faith Tampa, and Lord, we just ask that you'd, you'd give him the hearts of Maranatha Church, and if it's your will that, that they'll, they'll deed that property to Living Faith, uh, we give you thanks, uh, Lord. We're trusting you for the resources that we need in Tampa, and and just confess you do all things well, uh, Lord. We're grateful for your word, and and we want to we want to consider it as what it is. This is your very word. This is not a book that men generated. Holy men of old spake, as your Holy Spirit moved them, uh, Lord. You what you gave the apostles and prophets. Uh, was inscripturated, and, and Lord, it was, was, it was received by your people. It was preserved, it was taught, it was used, it was passed down to us, and Lord, help us to be faithful with this sacred trust. We have a book, which is the book, your very word, and Lord, I pray that you'd help us to tremble before it. God, we don't wanna be guilty of setting in judgment of your word or excusing it away or, or, or finding ourselves in a place of authority over it. Lord, let you be true. We'll confess that all men are liars. Help us to see and receive your word for your glory and God, please let it fall out for our good. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in Genesis chapter 12, we saw God calling Abraham, we saw his promises, we saw Abraham stepping out, moving forward in faith, and then we saw the trial. Famine hits the land, and instead of calling on the Lord for resource and protection and provision, uh, Abram goes down into Egypt. 
And there we see him in a backslidden state, a faithless state. We see him lying and and scheming and, and we see a pagan king finding out and rebuking him. And so here in chapter 13, we see Abraham's return to the place of blessing. That's your first blank. Uh, in Genesis chapters one through, uh, ch- chapter 14, verses one through four, and it came to pass in the days of, here we are in Genesis chapter, yeah, chapter 14. I keep uh, going back to 13 for some, we're just moving too fast through Genesis. Amaraphel, uh, uh, the king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, uh, Chedorlaomer, the king of Elam, and no, we're in chapter 13. Why, why am I jumping to four? We're going too fast. That's what it is. I'm like, why am I mixed up here? Uh, okay. No, we're in, uh, we're in um, chapter 13. Oh, here's why. In my notes, I've got verse one is verse four. Okay. I'm, so, I'm lined up now. Let me just make sure. Yeah, I put a four instead of one. Okay. And Abram went up out of Egypt. There we go. You're like, did this guy prepare or not? (laughs) Okay. Just pray for the pastor. I'm a little confused this morning. Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him, into the south, and Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And we saw this last time in chapter 13. This is a preview of what will happen when the Hebrew children leave the bondage of sin, the slavery of Egypt. Uh, They end up spoiling their their, their captivity, right? They come out uh, enriched whenever they go into delivery. Verse three, and he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, uh, back to the beginning between Bethel and Hai. So he's back to the place of obedience and faith. He's back to the place of revival and we see the evidence of that because he goes back to the place of this altar he has before the Lord, verse four, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. See in Egypt, Abram is backsliding. He's at a place where he can't live in truth. He's lying, right? He's not living in the truth of God's promises to give him the promised land. He thinks he can't survive there when God has him there. So he runs to the world. He runs to Egypt for resource and strength. Now he's back in Egypt. He can't live God's truth. He's living a lie, right? He's living a lie in terms of his relationship with his wife. This is his sister? Come on. Uh, It's his half-sister, but this is his wife. And so here's a marriage pro tip. I've been working on marriage pro tips as I consider Abraham and Sarah's life. Here's a pro tip. Never lie and call your wife your sister in social circles. Just don't do that. That's not good. (laughs) Don't do that. Just build her up. Praise the Lord. I've never never said I married my sister. (laughs) That's That's a win. No, whenever you're talking about your wife, you want to build her up when you talk about her. Uh, You want all, you want, you you know, if there's any hussies out there, right, you want them to know, you want them to always be thinking, I got no shot at that cat because he's way too into his wife. All he can do is just talk her up. In Egypt, Abraham is lying. So this is the key that we saw last time. Never go to a place where you cannot be true to God. Don't do that. 
Don't let yourself be in a situation where you cannot be who God called you to be doing what God called you to do. You know, sometimes, you know, you gotta be careful and with wisdom you roll, with wisdom you speak, with wisdom you live, but never live a lie, never speak in a way where you cannot be true to the Lord. So God was faithful in chapter 13. He was faithful to use Pharaoh, to see Pharaoh rebuke Abram and send him back to a place of repentance, a back, back, you know, rededication. Abraham returns here in chapter 14. And notice he goes up, verse one. He went up out of Egypt. That's what God does whenever we come to a place of repentance. You may be in a mess right now, but if you will humble yourself, if you will repent, and if you will turn to the Lord, God will raise you up. He comes up out of Egypt. God does that. He lifts people out of the world and out of the miry, miry clay. He says, that, he says as much in Psalms 40 and verse two. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Man, anytime we're unfaithful in our relationships, anytime we're unfaithful to the Lord, unfaithfulness is so destructive It's catastrophic, it pollutes everything. And that's God's point in Jeremiah. Here's one of the big big themes in the book of Jeremiah. It's return to the Lord, right? In Jeremiah chapter three, God's people have cheated on him and it's polluting the land and, and God says they've played the harlot with many lovers, yet return again unto me, saith the Lord. God's calling people back out of the world and in right relationship to him. In chapter 24 and verse seven, here's the promise. They shall return unto me with their whole heart. God is waiting to receive his people. You say, you don't understand how bad I've messed up. What a mess I've made of my life. Man, repent, return to the Lord. Come back up out of life in this world into right relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He will receive you. So here's Abram, he's leaving Egypt, Egypt as a type of the world, this world system, the bondage of sin, and he's now back in the place of blessing. Why? Well, the same reasons why you gotta do it. Brother, sister, you cannot be fulfilled in the world. You just can't do it. People try. Uh, Philosopher Mick Jagger said it this way. I tried, and I try, and I try, and I can't get no. A no, 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 a no, 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 a hey, hey, hey. What I say? I can't get no, no. I can't get. There's nothing in the world, right? Sorry, I couldn't help it. Okay, so when you've disobeyed God, get back to the place of truth. I messed my life up. What do I do, man? Come back to church. Get back in Bible study. Rededicate your life to Christ. He will receive you. Start sowing to the Spirit, and you'll start reaping life. That's just how it works. Go back to the place where you left him and just start again. God, if anything, he's so patient. How many know that's the truth? Man, I know it. He is so patient. So get this down in your notes. This is so key. You only flunk out of the school of faith when you quit. That's the only way you can fail is you just quit. You take your toys and go home. So now Abraham, he's not going down, he's coming up. Abe is heading north. Right, he's coming up out of Egypt. He's back in the right direction. He's back in Bethel. Bethel, remember that means the house of God. See, is your life leading you, the way you're rolling, the way you're living your life, is that leading you further into the bondage of sin for a season? 
back into a place where you're following in corruption with the course of this world? Or is the way that you're rolling, the way that you're living, leading you into a deeper walk with Christ? You know the answer to that. The first step is recognizing there's a problem and then, you know, take action, make the decisions to do something about that. Come back to the place of blessing. And know there's always forgiveness. Okay, Abram's coming back and God's going to receive him and God's going to restore him, but be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow in this life, brother or sister, you're planting seeds with your actions, with your decisions. They, those will grow and develop. They will bear fruit. What you sow, you will reap. And so here's the results of backsliding. Yes, Abram has forgiveness. He's back in the land, but there's consequences. In Egypt, they picked up Hagar, and that we will see opens them up to some really bad ideas, and we'll get, men, we'll get some more pro tips then. Uh, results in strife and hurt in their home, and now his nephew loves the Egyptian lifestyle. Man, look at the chariots. I love the ride. I love the, I love the, I love the, the cosmopolitan feel, the culture, the society. He's a lover of the things of this world. He loves the Egyptian lifestyle, and we'll see that in verse 10. And then there's more problems, okay? Uh, all Abram can do is win, win, win. It just never stops. And so here we are, verse five, and Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great. Man, talk about really great problems to have. <laughs> We're just so rich, uh, this, this place isn't big enough. And that's, that's what they're dealing with. Their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite uh, dwelled in the land. So there it is, it's just too crowded where they're at right now. So point number two, get this down in your notes. Look at Abram's faith-filled response to strife. When he's facing conflict, when he's facing strife, strife, he does it in faith. Um, now, what we're gonna see here in this section in Genesis is he's got lots of problems with Lot, and this is just the beginning of them. Uh, we're gonna see two parallels of faith. Uh, one's on track and one just keeps backsliding uh, in, the, in the character of Lot. So here's Abram, he's rich in earthly possessions, but 1 Timothy chapter six, verse 10 tells you that you can, there's a danger, you can fall in love with your possessions and that will corrupt you. 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Typically what will happen is people will pick their love of resources, their love of money, uh, that will, they'll pick that over right relationships with their brethren and now there's ruptures in families in, in key relationships. So Abram recognizes this, he loves his nephew, he's, he's repented, he's back in a place of faith with God and so Notice his response to this strife, verse eight. Abram said unto Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Us is the most important thing of all. Abram recognizes that. We be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. 
It's what I was supposed to do in the beginning. So he's getting, don't miss that. This is another step of obedience. God told him to separate from his household, and, and so this will be the, the last step. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. See, Abe could afford to let Lot pick, and Lot can have the best part of the land because Abram knew God's promises. Abram knew because of what God promised over his life that he could afford to be generous with his nephew. So he doesn't have to worry about getting ripped off. Man, isn't that a great place to be as a Christian where you can go through life not worrying about are people ripping me off? Man, my God, he has got me. I know his promises over my life. That doesn't mean I'm stupid in business or I'm gonna be ill-informed. I wanna make smart decisions, but I don't have to be full of fear. God promises to provide all my need. So he could let, he could let, he could let Lot have the best. He could be generous because he knew God's promises, and you can too. Abe also knew the importance of the relationship. It's really messed up when brothers and sisters go to war with one another over stupid, temporal, carnal things. Paul warns the church about that in 1 Corinthians chapter six. We've got Christians going to suing other Christians, brethren, right? Brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you because you go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take the wrong? Why can't you afford to be ripped off? Why can't you, be, why can't you afford to suffer wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, you do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. So you're trying to make sure you come out on top in your relationship, in your business dealings, in the issues that come up with your brother or your sister, and as a result, you end up despising what Christ bled to purchase, and you do that in front of a lost world, and they look at how Christians treat one another, believers roll with one another, and they're like, well, how big, how big is their God? How good is their God? If that's the way they treat each other, and you've heard this before, uh, man, if that's how Christians are, if that's how Christians treat each other, if that's what Christians do, well, then I want no part of it. So the lost world has this, in their mind, this just accusation because they see the behavior of believers. Man, brothers, sisters, we recognize we're all a bunch of, I mean, what a mess, right? This is why we need Christ. We're sinners saved by grace. Uh, the difference between the hypocrites in there and the hypocrites out there is the hypocrites out there think they're justified in pointing at the failures of the believer. Well, you're not justified, unbeliever. You're not rolling right. How can't you see how desperately you need Christ? I'm glad to be with you hypocrites, man. I'm grateful. It's good. Look at, so Abe's got a faith-filled response. Look at, look at Lot's carnal response, verse 10. And Lot, watch this now. You gotta, under, you gotta underline this phrase in your Bible. Lot lifted up his eyes. He lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere. It's because it's got the Jordan River running through it. It's well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. What's it like? Oh yeah, it's even as the garden of the, it's even as the garden of the Lord. It's like the garden of Eden itself. Like the land of Egypt. You gotta underline that in your Bible. Like the land of Egypt. He's got a taste now for the Egyptian lifestyle. And this reminds him of it. 
as when thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. Okay, that's the wrong direction. Every time somebody journeys east so far in our Bible, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Are they getting closer to God or are they walking away from a right relationship with God? Well, we saw it in Genesis chapter three, after corruption of sin is on Adam and Eve, they're barred from the tree of life. So where do they go? Well, they go east from Eden. In chapter four and verse 16, Cain, after he murders his brother, which direction does he go? Does he go forward in repentance before the Lord? No, he goes east in chapter four and verse 16. Let me give you a little homework. Chapter 14, verse 12. East is the wrong direction. So they separate themselves one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelled in the city of the plain and he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Okay, now in Sodom and Gomorrah, there is grave corruption, great wickedness, great sexual sin. Uh, They are 100% full on pagan before the Lord. And so Lot knows he doesn't have a place there. But again, it reminds him of Egypt. And so he pitches his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram after Notice this, notice when God now speaks to Abram again, after that Lot was separated from him, he tells Abram to lift up his eyes. Lift up now thine eyes. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Lift up now thine eyes. So Lot lift up his eyes. Abram has to do it in response to what the Lord is revealing. And look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward, For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that a man cannot number the dust of the earth. Then shall thy seed also be numbered. Um, You know, he also likens Abram's seed to the stars of heaven and to the sands of the seashore. Check out Isaiah 66, verse 22. So he says, look, Everywhere Lot looked and he said, I want the Jordan Plain, I want the Jordan Valley, because it's rich. So Abram's still in the same place and God says, look everywhere, because it's all yours. Isn't that interesting? Lot chose something, well, we'll talk about it in a second, but I want us to think about Lot's motives. God's telling Abram, it's all yours. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it, and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the land or in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So in verse 10, we see Lot's motives. Lot lifts up his eyes. It's a rich place. It's a fully resourced place. It's like the garden of the Lord. It's like the land of Egypt, as thou comest to Zoar. You know, in, in, in verse eight, Abraham wants what's best. He wants a right relationship with his brother, with his nephew. So he just wants what's best. No strife in the family. But here in verse 10, Lot is a little different. He wants what's best for himself. Do You see the difference? Abe just wants what's best. Lot wants what's best for himself. And notice that God's now giving to Abraham the portion that Abraham just let Lot take. What Lot chose, 
God immediately turns around and says, look over there, and the implication is where your nephew went, that's yours too, right? So what Lot is taking for himself, God hasn't given it to him. So Abraham wants what's right. He wants a right relationship with his brother. Lot just wants whatever he can get for himself. If you, um, if you look at a, topographic, a topographical map of the land of Canaan, one of the things that you'll know or you'll notice is the place that Abram is left with is the high plains, okay? It's up higher, the Jordan Valley is much lower. So what do we have? Another picture there, Abram went high, Lot went low, and that will match their walk spiritually. Somebody remind me, I've got some, actually some topographical maps and I'll pass those out in the next service and we'll let people look at the topography of, of the land. Somebody remind me because I will literally forget before the service is over and if you wanna see it, catch it after church. We'll keep, the, we'll keep the maps in here. Okay, so here's the key. Get this down in your notes. You wanna watch your eyes. Watch your eyes because they can make trouble for you. That's what's happening with Lot. He lifts up his eyes and he takes what he wants and that's gonna lead him into a place of utter destruction. Before it's all said and done, he will lose everything. You gotta watch your eyes. You know, it was in the garden of God that Satan got Eve to blow it with her eyes. She saw, right, that the tree was good for food. She saw it was pleasant to the eyes. It's desired to make one wise. Lifting up the eyes, that's a chief point of exploitation by the devil. Genesis 3, 6, the woman saw the tree. Joshua 7, 21, what does he say? What's, what's, What's his excuse? I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment. I saw all the money, right? Then I coveted, coveted them and took them and he buried them under his tent. He, he, he was forbidden to do that, but he saw and he took, just like Lot. Second Samuel 11 and verse 12, King David. Um, here it is. He's from the roof, right? He saw a woman washing herself And the woman, just like the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it's beautiful to look upon. The woman was very beautiful to look upon. And so he took what wasn't his, just like Eve did. 1 John 2 verse 16 tells you that this is a problem for all of humanity. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it's not of the Father but is of the world. This is worldly thinking. By the way, the Lord uses ears. You want to I mean, he can use eyes, but just notice this is another big theme in scripture. Satan's very, very good at exploiting the eyes, but, but the Lord's very good at using your ears. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, right? Uh, he that hath an ear was, I mean, the Lord Jesus, if he said that once, he said it a hundred times. He that hath an ear, let him hear, because we need to receive the word of the Lord. But again, watch your eyes because they'll make trouble for you. And they do for Lot in verse 10. Let God give you his vision for your life. Decide what your eyes are gonna be used for. Are you gonna see the things of God over your life? Are you gonna let God give you his vision for your life? That's better. That's always better. What God told Abram to do, lift up your eyes and see what I'm doing over your life. What I'm doing in a peculiar people, verses 14 and 18. Well, that's much better. 
We need to be like Abram. Ephesians 1 verse 18, we need to let the eyes of our understanding being enlightened so that we will know what is true, that we may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. We need to know that. We have to determine that we're gonna use our eyes for God's glory. So Abram lifted up his eyes here and he sees the land. Later on in Genesis, he will lift up his eyes and see three visitors at the Oaks of Mamre. He will see a pre-incarnate um, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, and he won't miss that opportunity. He will lift up his eyes in chapter 22, and he'll see the ram substituted at Mount Moriah. You wanna lift up your eyes to see what God is doing, what the word of the Lord is over your life. You have to decide that you're gonna see what God's doing in your life. Um, Vaught said, you know, you're, you're seeing here two different looks and I like the way he, he presents this and so let me just read this quote to you. Lot looked from his own free will. Abram had said unto him, or had said to him that if he went south then he would go north or if he went north he would go south. Lot chose that fertile valley by his own free will. But Abram looked only when God gave him the command to look. When he looked as a result of the command of God, God showed him all the compass points and told him that it all belonged to him. This was part of the divine, the, the, the divine decrees. It was the will of God that all the land would belong to him and his descendants forever. That has not been fulfilled yet, but it will be one day. The principle is this, when you go God's way, there's blessings all the way. Man, that's so good. When you go God's way, there's blessings all the way. But when you go down your own road, it gets awfully lonely and there are no blessings at all. And that's what we're gonna see Lot reaping. He will be utterly destitute, most of his family lost to him, and what's left will be fully corrupted. When you go your own road, it gets awfully lonely, and there are no blessings at all. So that was Vought, a great quote. So Lot, what is he doing? He is taking the first of many steps into sin. Send your next blank. He's looking, he's looking wrong. He's choosing, he's choosing wrong. He departs, he's going wrong. He's departing from the place of blessing. He's departing from the faith of Abram. But then next, he will be dwelling, right? He's dwelling in the plain. He's pitching his tent toward Sodom. Next, he will be at Sodom. And then we'll see he's seated in the gate of Sodom. He will eventually become a leader of that wicked community. He will be a city leader. So you gotta get this down. Sin always wins. If you keep following it one step after another, sin will completely consume your life. It'll always win unless you repent and return to a place of blessing. You know, in chapter 14, we'll see Lot. He has to be saved by Abram from abduction by five kings in chapter 14. And even after all of that, his heart is still revealed. He still goes back to the place of his abduction. He goes back to Sodom in Genesis 18. Uh, we'll see that that leads to his ruin. So get this down in your notes. When man chooses, man loses. You choose your best life for yourself and you'll lose out on what God has for you. But when God chooses, the result is always permanent and perfect and you cannot lose it I'm so glad for all the things I, ha I have in my life that God chose for me. God's blessings, they're permanent, they're perfect, and you don't lose them. 
So here's the principle. Lot moves, again, wrong direction biblically, eastward, and then he ends up southward. He ends up continuing down, so he's going the wrong direction to, to reach the place that he really wants to live, the land of his choice. But everywhere he's walking, he's trespassing on land that was not his. Lot was trespassing on land that God gave to Abram. Do you see that? Uh, you try to take for yourself, choose for yourself. You're trying to take something that God has not given you. Uh, that's very unstable ground. That's a very tricky path to be on. So get this down in your notes. God always does better for the believer who trusts in him than the believer who tries to carve out a life for themselves by their own wisdom and their own works. It's always better to just trust and obey. By the way, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And it's very interesting, this whole time, Lot is backsliding and making wrong decisions. God says that he's a righteous dude. God saw Lot as righteous but vexed. Second Peter chapter two gives you great insight into the person and the story of Lot. Uh, here's Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation, the lifestyle of the wicked. For that, again, just pay attention to grammar. He's a righteous, Lot, that Lot, that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Man, Lot is a picture of the believer in the last days, isn't he? This is too many believers. This is how too many, be, this is how too many of God's children live today. Righteous, positionally, they have the very righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God himself in the person of Christ. Righteous but vexed. I see it too often in my own life. We're vexed by the conversation of the wicked. God give us wisdom to keep coming back to Bethel, right? Back to the altar, back to the place of right relationship with the Lord. And so let's just step back for a second and take a snapshot and just get the difference between what we're seeing in the life of Abram versus the life of Lot. Abram, he's walking by faith again. Lot absolutely is walking by sight, isn't he? He saw what he wanted and he's taking it. Abram is generous and godly. Lot is greedy and worldly. Abram, we find out, we get the backstory on him from Hebrews 11. He's looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. He's a pilgrim in this world. He knows that this world is not his home. Lot is looking, he's looking for a home with the wicked in a place that's destroyed by God. Abram, your Bible tells you, is a father of all who believe. And Lot, it only gets worse from here. He is recorded for eternity in infamy. Um, he ends up, not by his own design, he's, he ends up such a loser uh, that, well, it's just gross. Prepare yourself. Abram is heir of the world, Romans 4, 13. Lot dwelled in a cave. That's where he ends up. All his possessions destroyed in Sodom. Did I give you the cross references in your notes? There it is. All right, let's wrap it up this way. Verse 14, God now confirms his promises to Abram. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all that the land, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it 
and to thy seed forever. So it doesn't matter what the UN says. God said that this land was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's, and it belongs to their seed. But notice what's happening here. This is the part that I want us to really get before we close today. Uh, notice the big picture perspective here. The Lord, doesn't, the Lord isn't talking to Abram again. When was the last time he talked to him? This was back in chapter 12, right? The beginning of chapter 12, the Lord is speaking to Abram. He's calling him out into a faith walk with him. Well, now he's talking again. Why, when, why, why? Well, it's, it's not until Lot splits. It's not until he's in a place of full obedience. Remember that? Leave your brethren, leave your family. It's not until there's that place of total separation unto the Lord. So it's not until Lot leaves that God talks to Abram again. And so here's the picture. You're gonna hear more from the Lord when worldly Christians and worldly influence aren't a part of your life. I'm not saying you hate them or despise them or you even throw them away, but don't let them run your life. Don't let them inform your life. God's made you holy. You're to be set apart unto the Lord. So live that way, live holy. Holy and woolly unto the Lord. You don't have to throw people away, but don't, you don't have to let carnal people determine the course of your life. Does this make sense, brothers and sisters? We got too many people living in, they know they're compromising the word of God. They know they're sinning against God because they're making room for the expectation of some carnal, fleshly focused, living for the satisfaction of their, of their flesh Christian and it's messing up their ability to walk right with the Lord. You know it's not right. You know that God bought you with the all-encompassing price of his precious blood, and you're unfaithful to him in being faithful to some worldly Christian's expectation. Some of you need to break up. Um, Ladies, I mean, if he's pressuring you to compromise physically, Uh, He needs to go out into the wilderness (laughs) for a season and and learn how to be holy. Uh, Kick that jerk to the curb, okay? Uh, You're somebody's wife, so he shouldn't be messing with you. Well, he says, I'm gonna be his wife. Well, then he shouldn't be messing with you because because you're somebody's wife and he ought to protect your purity. Right? I mean, don't let worldly, fleshly Christians mess up you hearing from the Lord, you walking with God. Don't let them determine the course of your life. Verse 16, he says, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So now, this altar is an altar of spiritual growth. Mamre means fatness. In the biblical sense, it's a good thing. You wanna be, you, you wanna be flush, right? Uh, don't turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking pretty blessed. Don't do that. <laughs> it also means strength, okay? Fatness or strength. Hebron means join together, means communion. What's happening? Don't miss the picture. He's got this new altar to the Lord and this place of strength. He's growing in the Lord. He's growing in his relationship with the Lord. He's now with God in his mission. So get the picture. By following God 
Abram is promised a seed as the dust of the earth. That's a type or picture of his earthly, natural descendants in Israel. But in Genesis 15 verse five, God will tell Abram that his seed will be as the stars in heaven and that'll be a type of his spiritual descendants. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. We're spiritual descendants, so we're pictured by the stars in heaven. Your seed will be as the stars of heaven, he tells him. That's a type of Abram's spiritual descendants. We are those sons of Abram, coincidentally, that are likened unto stars. Remember what we saw in the beginning of Genesis, sons of God, they are stars of God, and there are some sons of God who saw the creation of the cosmos in Job. Right, they shout for joy, they sing for joy at, at the creation of everything, the creation of the cosmos. And then, you know, at least one third of them go into rebellion against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and God has to restore his family, doesn't he? Um, so, you know, that's, that's what we're seeing here in, in, in Genesis. So it's interesting. Uh, he's got descendants that will make up the stars of heaven You and I are called sons of God. You know, one third of an innumerable host, how many is that? That's still more than you'll ever count. It's still innumerable. One third of infinity is infinity, okay? It's innumerable. Okay, so that's how these kind of numbers work. Well, it's gonna take a lot of born again, new creatures in Christ, sons of God, to replace what was lost. And so you're likened unto stars. The time of God's promise to Abram, he doesn't have one single child. His wife is barren, she can't have a baby. From one child though will come the newest and greatest of all of God's nations, the nation of Israel, a peculiar people in God's perfect time. Uh, It's through the nation of Israel that all of the world will be blessed. It's through Israel that the Messiah comes, not just for Israel, but he comes to be your sin bearer and mine. I'm so grateful for Abraham's faith. I don't know about you, but I am so grateful he went back. I'm so grateful that he grew in his faith. How God used these decisions to bless the entire planet. I pray we never get over that. And I pray pray that you'll never get over that same potential in your life. Your decision in faith, in obedience, in being in the place of faith, moving forward in faith, growing in right relationship with God, how that will be used of God to rock this planet for his glory. Don't you know that you, your obedience to the Lord can change the way that this world unfolds? God can use you to rock the nations for his glory. All Abram had to do was believe and just rest in God's promise. What we're gonna see is Sarah in her trials, she'll come up with solutions by using Hagar and it'll be disaster. But none of that, none of the, none of the slip ups, none of the failings keep God from fulfilling his promises. Everything that God promised to Abram right here, he's been fulfilling it all along. Abram struggles for years learning to trust God. Man, I pray it doesn't take you that. These things were written. There are in samples, all right? They're written for our admonition so that we can do what? So that we can learn. We don't have, not everybody has to go to the same school of hard knocks that Abraham did. You can get your degree from Genesis 
and you can make the decision that you're gonna be moving forward in faith for God's glory. I'd like us to bow our heads. I'd ask nobody but the worship team be moving around. This is the time in our service where you need to make a decision for the Lord, and I'm just asking if you'll bow your head, if you'll close your eyes, if you're willing, you can look into your heart and you can examine it. You can examine your heart and mind and you can make a decision about where you're at in your walk of faith. Are you like Lot and you're just compromising and engaging in a lost lifestyle, worldly, right? You're taking a worldly position in life or are you like Abraham, a stranger and a pilgrim in this world recognizing that your walk with Christ is everything. Are you growing in faith? Are you growing in your right relationship with the Lord? Or are you like Lot? How many would say, Pastor, please pray for me? Uh, I've been following Lot's example and that's gotta, so help me God by his grace, that needs to stop today. Can I see your hands? I wanna pray for you. I've been following Lot's example and that's gotta stop. So there's a number of us. Is there anyone that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't. I'm not even sure I know the Lord. I don't know that I've been born again, that God's my Father. I don't know that I would spend eternity with God in heaven. Pastor, would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? I'm not sure that I'm saved. I don't know that I have God in my life. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that? Is there anyone that would say, Pastor, pray for me, so help me God by his grace. I'm following Abram's example. Every time I turn around, there's a slip up, and, <laughs> but I'm, I'm growing in God's grace and I want God's blessing over my life as I endeavor in faith. Would you pray for me? Can I see your hands? So Father, Lord, you see us and you see where we're at. We can't hide anything from you. We can't, we can't get away with lying to you. Uh, we try it a lot, <laughs> but it doesn't work. Lord, I'm asking that for those of us that are saying that, that Today needs to be repentance from uh, a lot lifestyle progression. Uh, that Lord, we would take that seriously, that we would engage in true repentance, not to be repented of, that there would be a zealousness and an accountability that comes with that, that we would put ourselves in a place where we're moving forward in faith. And so God, I ask for today to be a day of repentance and rededication for, for, for many. Uh, Lord, I pray for brothers and sisters who are, who are endeavoring. They're endeavoring to move forward in faith. And God, I, I ask your blessing over their life uh, between this lost world and our fallen, sinful, fleshly nature, uh, the enemy, the spiritual power and wickedness that, that works to trip people up and set traps and devices to, to derail and discourage your people Lord, I just pray that, that God, you'd give them wisdom from your word. I pray that you would protect them, that Satan would be bound. Lord, I pray that, that you'd give them uh, strength in the inner man. Lord, help them to lift up their eyes and see you for who you are in your word, your promises over their life, and help them to grow in faith. I pray that they'd, they'd not have their eyes on their circumstances, the trials, the difficulties that they're facing. I'm not asking, Lord, that you'd make them foolish or ignorant of them, but that they'd not see them as anything compared to who you are and what you promised over their life. That they'd not allow 
uh, trials and tribulation in this world to discourage them from moving forward in faith. And so Lord, I ask this, I ask for these blessings over the members of this church in Jesus' name, amen.